Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, I'm so excited that today's episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast, we get to chat with Stacy Rafalowski and Philippe Cousteau Jr. They are from earthecho.org, and it was founded in about 2000 to get kids to really think about biodiversity and nature and, and outside. And right now they have a great program, a great challenge going on with a deadline of April 22nd of 2021. So I want to get the information out there. And I think it's going to be something your kids can benefit from, whether you do it this year or whether you do it in the future. So welcome to the show today, Stacy and Philippe. Chris, thanks so much for having us. It's great to be here. Yeah, and definitely check out earthecho.org. That's where you can find out all the information and great resources for educators. And especially right now, ourechochallenge.org, where you can find out about a great challenge. Tell us about it. Well, you know, Chris, Earth Echo was founded, as you pointed out, back a while ago now, really <laughs> the belief of the importance of education and believing in young people and, and the power they have to change the world. Mm-hmm. But our focus is predominantly on educators. And my grandfather, Jacques Cousteau, always told me growing up that teaching is the most noble profession. And we truly believe that. And so thank you for the work that you do. Mm-hmm. in supporting educators and as an educator yourself, as a teacher yourself. And we're just thrilled to be here and, 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 and talk about this program that's really about how do we build agency and opportunity for young people? We're, we're facing, it's no secret, we're facing an environmental crisis in the world today. Mm-hmm. We've seen in my lifetime, I'm 41 now, and I have a 21-month-old little girl. And in my lifetime, in 40 years, 50% of the biodiversity on this planet has disappeared, has gone away. That's crazy. Because of largely human activity. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, what kind of a world we inherited. And when I hold my little girl in my arms, Stacy has a little girl as well. And I know we, we've talked about this before, how personal this is. I think anybody that has kids out there, what kind of a world are we passing on to them? And yet we recognize too that, that, that it's young people who are going to be the change agents. Yeah. Um, and when we think about it in an educational context, we also realize that some of the basic concepts, and this is what STEM is all about, of science and technology, are rooted in nature, yeah, oh, biology, chemistry, you know, uh, physics. And so for us, it's about connecting the dots. And that's what the Our Echo Challenge does. It's a, it's a national STEM competition um, that challenges middle school students to explore a challenge or, uh, in their community, uh, some sort of problem with biodiversity in their community, in their region, and then develop a solution to solve those threats to, to, to biodiversity and come up with a project. And they can compete for scholarship funds that the program is really designed not only to challenge young people to come up with solutions to problems, but then also to support the top three teams. We'll choose 10 finalist teams that will compete for these grants that range from $1,000 to $5,000. That's awesome. And um, uh, because we really want to be able to support those kids in actually bringing their programs to fruition. So this isn't just a conceptual competition. This is really about helping young people actually find agency and do something in their community. Absolutely. And the, the big pieces that when we were kind of conceptualizing the Our Echo Challenge, we thought a lot about agency. And Philippe has, has said that, you know, making sure that these big challenges that we're facing, that, yeah. that when we talk to young people about them, it's not all doom and gloom. <laughs> right. This is yeah. our opportunity. It's not just our burden to bear. It's our opportunity. And, and they're so bright and so ready and so innovative in the way they approach problems that some of us, you know, just have been kind of gnawing on for years and years and years. 
And so we wanted to give a platform for those young people to ideate and to, to kind of create some solutions mm-hmm. in collaboration with their friends, with their peers, um, you know, and just think about these big problems in a way that it's an opportunity and give them agency to take action, not just, you know, kind of show up and be hands and feet of right. solutions where somebody else came up with the idea and they're just there, you know, picking up the trash or planting the tree, but they're mm-hmm. really coming up with what those ideas are that will help in their community. That's um, awesome. And that investment is huge. Yeah, that's awesome, Stacey. And, and you said something so striking. It's it's not just, let's just talk about the problems and, and complain about the problems and, and worry about the problems, but giving them an opportunity. A problem should be an opportunity. It should present a challenge. Exactly. And and, you know, like you were t- saying, Philippe, it's for fifth and ninth grade kids. You know, they, they work in, in teams of one to three. And you said it's about your community. It's not about around the world or, you know, oh, there's a big pile of trash in the ocean, which there is. Like, you might not be able to fix that, but you can fix something in your own community that maybe has an impact on that. I, absolutely. You know, and, and uh, when I think about, for example, that, you know, this is the second year of the uh, Our Echo Challenge. Mm-hmm. and um, pointed out, you know, it's teams of young people with a mentor, with a teacher mentor right. that, uh, that apply for this, come up with a solution to a problem. And some of the winners last year, the grand prize winner was a team, Team Crayfish in the Santa Monica Mountains, just outside of Los Angeles, where these invasive crayfish have taken over these river systems to, in these mountains. Uh, that's been a devastation to the local ecosystem because they're voracious predators and they're just destroying the balance of the ecosystem. And that actually has an impact. Something I learned as I was interviewing these finalists and, and then we, we presented these, the winners with their, 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 uh, their grant money to continue their project was that actually these crayfish have an impact all the way down onto the coastline, miles and miles away because the river flows into the ocean and the ecosystem in that river supports the ecosystem in that, that coastal area. Right. And so as the fish species, because these crayfish, they're eating fish eggs, they eat, you know, all every all these, these macro invertebrates. They're, they're like just, hungry teenagers, right? They, yeah, they're hungry teenagers. <laughs> they're eating every snack they can get their claws on. Um, and it's disrupting the entire in the entire ecosystem, not just in the hills, but all the way down to the ocean. And I think to your point, you know, we oftentimes don't realize the impacts of the things we do in our communities. Mm-hmm. But that was really the point of this program is to help people connect the dots and recognize that, yeah, there, there's a massive trash island in the Pacific and in, and in all the major oceans, several. Right. Of them. You may not be able to do something about that, but you can do something in your community. And what right. we know is that then leads to this idea of problem solving and all of those core fundamental skills that we want young people to have is through helping them get engaged in their community, solving problems, feeling yeah. like they've actually had a positive impact is is the best way to do that. Exactly. And again, uh, definitely educators should check out earthechochallenge.org and that's E-C-H-O, like an echo, um, definitely has that resounding uh, impact. And Earth Echo is the uh, the group, the organization. I'm just thinking, you know, an educator is listening, you know, how do I start? Is it easy for me to sign up? Is it free for me to sign up? You know, how do I get my kids to, to start thinking about this? You know, what's what's an educator got to do to kind of get get going on this? We did our very best to make this as easy as we possibly could for teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, We launched this program in the middle of a pandemic. So um, we we really, you know, gave a lot of thought to what can we do to make this easy and remove any barriers. So Mm -hmm. um, if they go to our echochallenge.org, we have not only a a pretty simple entry form, we've got lesson plans, we've got a challenge guide. 
-hmm. We've got handouts that they can work with their students on so that the students can really guide that process. The application itself, the project plan that the students uh, put together is really short. It's just a series of uh, less than 10 questions Mm -hmm. that are really around coming up with a process or a prototype that will create change. There doesn't have to be a prototype at turning that in. So if they go to ourechochallenge.org, they can see the timeline. Everything needs to be in by Earth Day. Tried to make that memorable. A teacher can support multiple teams. So if a teacher's working with, you know, yeah, it happened quite a bit last year. Teachers support several different teams in their classroom or in their school. Right. Uh, You know, a handful of kids. Uh, So that, that, that is something we found last year that was, that was helpful. And we've got a, a quick kind of intro video from Philippe. Um, that they can find on the website. And then it really is an a la carte type of, of situation where if you need extra support, there's the lesson plans and the challenge guide. Right. And, and if your kids are ready to go, there's a pl- project planning worksheet and, and you can, we were open for applications right now. That's awesome. And so as, as, as Stacy said, it's due April 22nd on Earth Day. Uh, and then the 10 finalist teams will be chosen and they'll have from May 7th through June 4th to then draft like a much more thorough plan that they'll present and then be judged. We have a panel, an international panel of, of amazing CEOs and heads of conservation organizations and scientists right. that choose the, um, the, the, the final three projects and, uh, and then award the, the scholarship fund. That's awesome. And, and, and even if educators, even if your kid's project doesn't win, you know, I mean, that doesn't matter. They came up with a great idea. They could even still take that idea and, and figure out a way to implement it. Several um, teams did, we found last year. They kind of oh. went on and, and kept doing some pretty extraordinary work. And we found the teachers were really, it was really helpful to have the resources that we provided that, that helped think through how to do that and engage these kids in their communities and in science in a way that's relevant and applicable for them in real world. Be- because it's not just making a project, it's making an impact. That's what it's really all about. Yes, yes. Exactly. And that was really important as we were thinking about this project. We wanted it to be something that, that would create tangible benefits so that young people, again, get that sense of agency that we talked about several times uh, today, would, would, would feel like they, because the world's scary. There's a lot of problems in the world. Yeah, yeah. We found, and Stacey mentioned this earlier, we, we, we found no shortage of motivation and excitement from young people to want to do something right sometimes frustration about exactly what can they do and how do they do it and yeah, so this yeah. is designed to you know to, to, to fill in those blanks and help them understand and and um it's it's pretty it's pretty powerful to see the projects that have come out of it already just in just in our inaugural year last year great right i just to refer back to to something you said chris our third place team from last year it was very funny. We were, our staff was helping support um, another nonprofit that is, that was running a video contest. Mm-hmm. And um, we were really excited to kind of see that her, our third place winner was expanding her project and had applied for a, a video competition about her project. So it was really neat to see how it was iterative as well, that even mm-hmm. beyond winning, this process continues to be iterative and they, they build upon that. Um, And there were several teams that we've heard expanded and, you know, went from the project that they proposed last year. And now there's, you know, an extension of that this year or another team has spun off of that. So it's been really fun. And we we had projects, you know, to give give an example of Mm -hmm. projects developing robots, you know, going into ponds to clean out litter and and invasive algae species. We had teams going in and and doing research studies on how to restore wetlands, Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of work on pollinators because we've seen 
and oh, bees, bees, yeah. Like so in how to restore and create pollinator, you know, farms and schools, and then, re- re- you know, remove like the team crayfish that, that, that won the grand prize to remove invasive species. So it was, it was everything from creating robots to like going out into the field and creating traps to re- reduce invasive species. One student had, um, was taking slow motion capture uh, video to record how many different species of pollinators were coming to different types of native plants. Awesome. And then going out, the plan is to, to, to go out and, and replant and restore those native plants back into the local community. So, you know, versus non-native plants, how many pollinators did they attract? And using like slow motion video, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's a really cool stuff that the, that the yeah. students are coming up with. It's so diverse and different uh, yeah. than yeah. you might expect. Well, and, and again, that's that's what that's what this is all about. It's about crowdsourcing problems. I mean, even just in one one classroom of, of say twenty or thirty kids, and and even thinking also in terms of this, even if you're still remote teaching teachers, kids can still be coming up with these projects. They can still be working together. They've got a community, uh, you know, a, a neighborhood, a backyard, a park nearby, right outside their door, and, and they need to get out outside a little bit more right now because Absolutely. they, you know, so many kids have been inside that, that most natural classroom is right outside their door, right outside their window. And, um, well, and so even that is possible. You know, as a math teacher, Chris, I'm sure you appreciate, I think one of these students was using statistics and math to like extrapolate like pollinator uh, diversity in, you know, in, in larger scale areas in the community. And, yeah. you know, what would the, what would the percentage increase of native plants do to increase pollinator success? So, you know, it's, it was really interesting to see the engineering, the math, and then, some of them were using, you know, arts-based skills to go out yeah. into their community and like talk to the local community. So Team Crayfish, a big part of the work they're doing is education about crayfish because oftentimes people will use them as bait. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how they got introduced to the system. Oh, gotcha. And, um, you know, educating people, putting signs up, doing little community workshops. It's, it's, it's been really great to see the different types of skill sets and, and, and subjects coming together. To solve these problems. That's awesome. And I know also if educators do go to earthecho.org or ourechochallenge.org, I know there's a lot more resources as well available through through your organization. An, another water challenge, some expeditions, some, some other things as well, correct? Yes. Yeah, so we um, we run the world's largest civilian science um, program empowering more than 1.6 million people in now over 146 countries to test water quality in their communities. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, it's, you know, this is huge crisis, the water crisis. Um, and that actually program launches March 22nd. Okay. Uh, it kicks off with a whole week long series of programs for student forums and classroom workshops. And we have lots of resources online. That's also about getting kids, uh, classrooms, whatever it is out into their communities, testing water quality, quality in their local watersheds, understanding what watersheds are, and then designing projects to either protect or improve the quality of that water. Uh, and we all know, We've all heard the stories, you know, of course, the big story, you know, uh, about polluted water up in Michigan, but this is an issue all over the country and all over the world. Our water doesn't come out of the tap. It comes from our watersheds. And so the Earth Echo Water Challenge is a really exciting program as well that's available to teachers all over the world, as I said, um, in multiple languages as well. We have the resources uh, and that kicks off on March 22nd. And just to add to what Philippe said there, we've got a week of events that are the student forum events that kick off the Earth Echo Water Challenge this year. And those will be a nice kind of on-ramp for the R Echo Challenge as well. So if you, if a teacher wanted to get his or her students involved in any kind of water issues, 
then there's going to be a number of different presentations, student presentations, career panels with experts around the water industry mm-hmm. and source water. Those events are going to be going on uh, the week of March 22nd and are open and free to anyone. And if they want to kind of log into those events to kind of set the stage such that you can start to kind of ideate on what types of projects may be available in their local community. There will be even some sessions at the end of that week that will allow students to kind of have some peer reviews of different projects that they've taken on, how they may have organized different types of rain gardens or tree plantings or riparian buffers, different ways that they uh, develop solutions in their own community. That's awesome. So many resources and, and every educator is always saying, where can I find those great resources? Where can I find these things that I can do with my students that that they're not just, you know, doing something, turning it in and then we're done, but something that really does make an impact. And uh, I just really appreciate that that uh, work that you're uh, both doing, Stacy and Philippe, and definitely educators should check out. The links are all in the show notes as well, earthecho.org or ourechochallenge.org. It sounds easy enough to start. Yes, educators, there's a there's a short window here if you're just listening to this now, but you can always uh, sign up in the future. There's there's more resources and more great stuff. And that lesson plan, even just to get started, educators, it's it's easy. It's 10-minute things. It's 15-minute things. It's right. it's just getting your kids started. Often that's all we got to do. That's that's all we got to do. So just like spark. Yeah. Any other last thoughts, Philippe or Stacy? Kind of the main thing is the biodiversity challenge that's launched. Um, so, you know, it's open now and, and uh, available to, to participate in. And then, as we said, March 22nd, the Earth of the Water Challenge launches. But Stacey, anything else to add? The, the only thing I would add is that go go check out the website. Like you said, rechochallenge.org. We've got the stories of 10 semifinalist teams last year. And there's nothing like seeing those teams tell those stories in their own words. Um, I will never forget when we were announcing the 10 finalists, semifinalist teams, we were all remote. Everybody was, you know, plugged into their laptops and and different things like, and, and one of the young people who had come up with this idea and was really excited about the idea, had no idea that they had made the final 10 teams flip their entire chair over backwards. They were so (laughs) excited to be part of this. So, uh, you know, it's really exciting and it's positive Mm -hmm. and it's a way for us to kind of get away from the the doom and gloom of things and, and get back to what makes science and math and technology teacher, you know, teachers yeah. really excited yeah. It's that yeah. problem solving. That's awesome. Problem solving, not just problem complaining educators. Right. That's, that's what yes. it's all about. So uh, Philippe and uh, Stacy really appreciate all the, all the work you're doing and, and really appreciate on behalf of educators, all the, all the great resources and, and challenges and, and things that you've got available for us. We're delighted. Thank you for what you do every day, Chris. We're so thrilled to be here and be able to share this work with you and um, are big fans of of you and and your work and and teachers everywhere. Appreciate that. Educators, you are doing a great work. And again, this is this is what it's all about. Helping your kids make more than just a project, but making an impact. Check out DailyStem.com if you want to find out more about the podcast or anything else, if you want to connect with me. And again, keep up the great work, educators. You are doing, like Philippe said, the most important work.